This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the Howdy Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and Howdy Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Zach Pogrob, founder of Peak Photo Booths and an Instagram brand called Behavior Hack. If you haven't checked out his page yet, I highly recommend tuning in and subscribing to his content. Zach's mission in life is to inspire people to take the harder, less traveled path. This means choosing long-term, ambitious goals and creating the life that they truly want so that they can ultimately be their most authentic selves. Currently, Zach is working towards transitioning his energy into the Web3 and NFT space, where he wants to start building new projects. This conversation was yet again another reminder for me that life is too short to do anything other than do the things that are fulfilling to you. Zach is a great example of this, and I'm very much looking forward to you soaking up all he has to share. Let's give it up for Zach Pogrob. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another Thrive on Life podcast episode. And today I have a special guest tuning in from New York City, a place that is special to my heart, but been a while since I've been there. And I want to introduce him and then we'll get right into it. Mr. Zach Pogrob. How are you doing today, Zach? Doing good, CJ. Pumped to be here. Heck yeah. And I'm very excited to have this conversation because after reading a little bit more about you and checking out your content, we have a lot in common and I would love for you to kind of tell your story and give all the value that you give on a daily basis, hopefully within this hour time frame, to all the audience and guests that I've had on here before. So before we do anything, I'm going to do something a little bit different today and give the audience a little bit of a background of how we even got to this conversation. So Zach kills it on Instagram with his account Behavior Hack. It's something that my wife and I, Aaron, have been following for a while now. And he posted a story thread about a month ago that really hit home with me. And I knew that if I were able to get him on the show, that just going through that thread would be super valuable, but then everything else would be great as well. So I'm gonna read that thread real quick and then ask you one question that we can just go on from there. So you started off the thread with, you're under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. And that's by Alan Watts. First off, that hits home with me a lot, um, always trying to change. So that kind of like drew me in. You talked about how you've been off Instagram for a while, and then you wanted to come back with a story about where you've been, what you've been struggling with, and hopefully you wanted to help one person just with that story. And you start with, I've realized eventually you have to choose between who you're on track to be and who you're capable of becoming, but it's hard to let go of your past self. That's who you are. That's how others know you. That's everything you've worked so hard and so long for. But the reality is the only way to reach and surpass your potential is to leave that past self behind. For me, that was 2017. I spent a decade playing soccer and doing well in school. Things were good. The story made sense. But then I got hurt and hurt again. And my identity as a soccer player became a trap holding me back from doing something more meaningful. I was on the sidelines literally and figuratively. So I quit and my world opened up. I started lifting. I built a business. I created content. I made new friends. I felt confident for the first time. And fuck, that felt good. Everything good in my life today started with leaving my old life behind. 
And here's an analogy. You spent 10 years climbing in a mountain. You fought, bled, and did everything to get to the top, but the view isn't what you thought. Are you willing to start over? Today, four years later, I'm on the top of a mountain again, asking myself the same question. And that's where I want to end. For those listening, you can go to Zach's Instagram on Behavior Hack, go to Storytime Highlight, and you'll be able to read the rest. But I'd love to just ask you the question of, you mentioned you're at the top of the mountain. If you could just describe what that mountain used to be and then what that mountain is today and how you're kind of going about maybe changing your life here in this very moment moving forward. Yeah, that story time was just, I was coming back to Instagram after a little hiatus and I was just, you know what, I'm just going to rip a bunch of posts and just, you know, speak from the heart. And what the mountain refers to is we talked about growing up playing soccer all our childhoods. And I think sports is the probably the biggest thing that young people attach their identity to. You start playing at such a young age, you probably start playing soccer when you're, you know, five, six, seven years old. For me, I played all the way through high school all the way through college. It was where all my friends were from. It was why I went to the school I went to. And that is who you are. You're a soccer player. And by the top of the mountain, I think what I mean is you've spent all this time climbing this mountain to be the soccer player and get to a higher level. For me, that was um, Division One soccer. And you know, I didn't have the career I wanted to, but that is what that mountain refers to, especially back then. And the problem is a lot of people don't want to start climbing over at a new mountain. It's very hard to, when you spend all that time, it, it really is a perfect reference because you spent hours, you spent years, so much energy. And now it's, especially in sports, it's just like the way it affects you as a person, your traits and your confidence, that sticks, but the actual tangible skill, you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. You're building this great community, but is the actual skill of how to do a goal kick helping you right now? Not actually. So that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I like that. And for me, it's like, I mean, you played in soccer tournaments, right? Yeah. How much free time were you spending building up that character, or that avatar? And for me, I think the struggle really became like, who am I when there's free time? Like when you stop playing soccer and you have free, you have the weekends now, what do you do? I had spent two years division one soccer at Binghamton and you played sports in college. It's a lot. It's your whole life. And it took me basically having three different surgeries over three seasons. I transferred to another school to keep playing because I'd been so high up that mountain. And then it got to a point basically where I got a really bad injury. I tore a muscle in my quad and called my rectus femoris, which is like one of the biggest tendons in your quad, I think. And I was going to have to sit out for three years. And that was the moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to get off this mountain. And I left the school I was playing soccer at, went home, and basically went from, I was this freshman at Binghamton University, D1 soccer, bright future ahead. And now I was going to community college at home. Right before the semester, I was like, I'm not going to go be a hurt soccer player anymore. And I started over. And, and like you said, I had all this time. It was like, who the hell am I now? What am I doing with my life? And that was where everything good in my life started, though. That was when, you could call it a rock bottom, but genuinely, you know, there was probably few weeks where I was like, I'm happy because I was home. I was at community college for just that semester. But then once I found the right way to put that energy, I was the happiest person alive because I was actually building something meaningful and something that was going to last. And I was working on myself versus spending all this time on this mountain, which was soccer, which wasn't serving me anymore. That was when I fell in love with working out. That was when I started a business called Peak Photo Boots, essentially an event rental company. We do photo booths and different types of decor for weddings and events. And I could talk more about that business and how I built it too, but I've been building that business about four years. And now to answer your question, the mountain where I'm at now, um, a few years later, is that I basically have looked at my future and looked at how my business is going, which it's going great. And there's truly an opportunity for me to build a massive, massive event rental company and build as big as I want. I'm at a decision now where I'm definitely not at the top of that mountain. Like there's so much higher to go, but I'm making a decision to start at a new mountain, despite it not being what many people would do. I love that. And this is, this is one of the reasons I actually reached out was the ending part of the story, even though you're early on connected with me a lot, like playing soccer and even the injury, like going into my senior season, I had transferred back to the school that I originally started at because they won the conference championship the year before and I wanted to win a conference championship. So I set myself back a year just to transfer back, continue playing. And then I tore my hamstring two months going into the season. And literally I had to use like electro stim on my leg before every game. And I'd only last like 60 or 70 minutes. 
basically I was numb for 60 minutes and then eventually it would just be too much and I had to have to get taken out. And that was my senior year. And then afterwards, I really started reflecting like, who the hell am I? And it's funny, you're in New York right now, but I was in Union City, really just trying to figure my shit out. We don't need to go down that path, but really that beginning story really connected with me. And then the second part was actually what I love the most, where I find myself addicted to starting at new mountains. And it's because I haven't really found the mountain that I want to go to the top of yet, only because I had spent 25 years playing soccer and realizing that wasn't really the mountain for me. So now I'm like very cautious of the different mountains that I go into. And I'd love, before we go down the path of Web3, I see that you're kind of passionate about that and crypto and all that. I see your new posts. And the whole goal of this podcast is to really light people up and have them talk about what is lighting them up. But before we get there, there's something that I think you did that I feel like everybody should be doing, and that's having a side hustle. And you were in college and playing sports and figuring your life out, but somehow you came up with the idea to run a photo rental business and it's doing fairly well. And the first year obviously was very minimal. I was listening to one of the other podcasts. I think you did like 7,000 in revenue or something. And that's really small. And that's what hinders people a lot is like, oh my God, how can I start something? But what I want to remind the audience is we spent probably 30 grand a year on tuition and what did that ultimately get you versus when you start a side hustle, you can make money that first year, right? I also saw your posts about being heavily involved and you want to change the education system and add in more entrepreneurial endeavors. And we should be asking teens and kids this. And for the audience, if you could just give them a piece of advice of how and where to start to just start their entrepreneurial endeavor and kind of the mindset that they need to have to get that off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. So my story is not a fancy, I had this light bulb moment. I worked for my best friend, had this job at a photo booth company doing very similar type of photo booths that we do now. And he got me the job and I was hustling all throughout college for two years working for this company. And it was great, amazing company, amazing boss. And that was my first real job where I made more than like minimum wage. And then I was going back to school in Binghamton upstate away from the business and I started my own upstate. But what's interesting about what you said is I just didn't even consider entrepreneurship to be a thing growing up. I didn't have that person. It was always business. Business is this thing that people do. But it was just another something I considered until one day it hit me that it was possible. And you know, a lot of that was following people online, I think, that inspired me. Christian Guzman, you've probably seen him with like Al Polite. He I remember I was obsessed with him early on. He definitely lit my fire. Yeah. And then I just went up to school and started it up there and slowly, slowly grew it. Had no idea what I was doing. I iterated a lot and learned. I had zero experience, zero help, zero funding, zero anything. It was a slow build. It was really slow. You can buy a business and build it so much faster if you have that ability. But instead, I did it the long way. You know, that first year, like I said, I made $7,000. First event I ever did. I remember it. It was in a frat room basement for photo booths and I charged like $150 because I just didn't know what the fuck to charge. And that's like you know a lot less than we charge now. And how did it make you feel like when you were there? It was the best feeling ever. Still, not the event. I'm not a part of here. I was just there to work. <laughs> but that $150 CJ, best feeling of my life because I made it for myself. I built the photo booth myself in my dorm and that is a special feeling compared to like getting it from a job or anything like that. It's a special thing that you can only experience when you do it. So I built it over time. That first year, I would drive eight hours, nine hours just to do a single photo booth event because after I moved the business to Long Island, I would still have events upstate because that's where I started the business. And I would go and drive up there and I would just, I was nuts. But my advice for someone who wants to start a business, well, there's two things. I think if you're starting a business and, and money is the pure motivation, which is fine. Like the photo booth is not a passion of mine. It's, I'm not passionate about, I'm passionate about providing a good service and innovating. That I definitely am. But, um, my two things I love is a service that a wealthy person needs. That is like a little cheat code I found because you know I have a best friend also is a good example who um, he's done different entrepreneurial things. He wants he started a beverage company once, a, another event rental company. They kind of did okay, but then this summer he learned on a job he was doing how to fix hot tubs, right? And then he's like, dude, why don't I just start doing this? And but then at the time he was kind of like, I have no idea. I, you know, I'm not really an expert. I can fix hot tubs a little bit. And then I'm like, dude, you just figure it out. You start offering it. You do it job by job. You learn as you go. 
And now this dude has the best. This is like a few, like literally six months later. And he has like one of the best hot tub repair companies on Long Island. He gets calls all day. That's awesome. It's a service that wealthy people need. And it's another category, what he's done. And it's what I did. It's, I like to call them almost like YouTube startups. As much as I'm obsessed with Web3 crypto NFTs, because I, I truly am. And it's what I want to do for the rest of my life, I think. At the same time, if you want to start a business, if you want to make money, you need to just go do a service that someone needs. And it's, Ugly it's business, that, baby. That's what we call them. Ugly, ugly business. business. Sweaty startups. And it's what I like to call like YouTube startups. You don't need to know how to do this. You just need to get someone who needs it, and then you'll figure it out. You trust yourself to figure it out. That is, that is honestly the most beautiful part about entrepreneurship, I think, is you trust yourself by offering things and challenging yourself to deliver them. You really develop this amazing confidence in yourself to deliver things. And that's been like the purest joy. We've done some fun things at the photo booth. We did like the first TikTok photo booth in the world, which was cool. It was just like an idea I had. Hey, I built this photo booth. Why can't I like hack it together with TikTok and make this unique experience? Didn't exist, but I was marketing it to people and then hustled and created them. People loved it. And that's a cool feeling. Yeah. The cool thing I like is I didn't even know that you had this business because I follow your Instagram. And it's one of those things where a lot of people don't realize that you can work on a business rather than in a business and you can set it up like these YouTube businesses will be you at first, but it's tough for people to see like down the line where it's not necessarily you anymore. And you can put people into that system and then you can go onto another mountain. There's a book called start at the end and being a systems engineer, I'm a big guy of like, let's go to the end first and then reverse engineer down. When you first started the rental business, what was in your mind? Did you have a plan of like, I'm going to do this for a couple of years, see where it goes, or I'm going to do this for a couple of years, make some money and then pivot. What was kind of going through your mind? Cause I think the thing that a lot of people struggle with, you mentioned it wasn't your passion necessarily. They struggle with, Oh, if I do this now, I have to do this forever. That's kind of their mindset. So they take forever to choose something and they just never choose. But what caused you to kind of like pick this thing, even though you weren't passionate about it, what was in you that I think could help a lot of other people? When I started it, there wasn't a bit, there wasn't a long-term picture. I just remember that I had this idea that I thought could work, which was at the time, there was nothing going on in Bainton. Like It was kind of stupid to start an event company, but you know what? I was able to hustle and get like a full week of events, like seven events a week up there before I left. I don't think there was that long-term view. It was just, I knew I did not want to work for anybody. That was the one thing I knew. Gary Vee says this one thing. He's like, true entrepreneurs would rather be homeless than work for somebody, <laughs> which I, that is a hundred percent me. Like I, and I've done that. I've moved home. I've lived at home a lot of my early twenties because I've only moved out a few years ago because I was putting thousands and thousands of dollars a month into my business. Even now today, what I'm doing now is a, is a version of that. That has been my only, my biggest strength is, which a lot of that comes from soccer and failing. And a lot of that comes from growing up and having social anxiety is just, there's a gift of when you're a loser earlier in life, you feel like a loser. It really helps you do your own thing and just not give a shit what other people think, which relates to the mountain thing we talked about earlier. People don't get off the mountain because they care what people, they care about the people on the bottom taking pictures of them. You know, they care about people looking up at them versus me. I've just never cared. Even now I don't care. Even today, like I'm giving up a lot of money short term to do something separate from the photo booth versus if I just put a hundred percent of energy into the photo booth and, you know, bought cars, bought nice houses, but it's just not something that matters to me. My view of it is it depends on your situation. If you're a kid and you don't need to make money, go do your passion. After I stopped playing soccer, because this was what was valuable to me at the time was I'm going to go to med school and be a doctor. There's another high status thing I could attach myself to at the time and feel good about, despite not really being anything. What are you when you're pre-med? You're nothing. You're taking pre-med classes. That's it. But you have a label of pre-med, which I loved. Oh, I'm pre-med. Oh my God, you're pre-med? Oh, it's 100% true. Where did you grow up? Long Island. Yeah, so I'm from Jersey. It's 100%. Everything is titles and what are you attached to rather? Were you ever asked as a kid, like, what, what do you love? Like, what do you, what do you love to do or where do you want to go? No. No, they don't ask us that in school. I got to my senior year and they were like, your scores in math and science are good. You should be an engineer. And I already had the pressure of becoming an engineer because my dad's an engineer. It was never like thought through, damn, CJ, you're really good at sports. I was just naturally good. I technically should have been in health tech. And that's where I kind of sit today, where I'm partnering in companies. I'm wearing Whoop and Aura Ring and doing all these things with health brands. And now looking back, I could see that. 
as a kid, like, what was I willing to do after hours alone? And that was practice. I was good at sports because I just put in more time than anybody else. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Zach. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Zach Pogrom. So the question I have for you now is what type of time commitment were you putting in to not only run your business, because I think this is where running a business and getting better at entrepreneurship is two different kind of ball games. Cause there's a lot of business owners out there that are not good entrepreneurs. How did you kind of start learning the branding side and learning to become a better entrepreneur? Like what were your tips and tricks in the beginning? I loved your story of the hot tub, your friend, because I was forced to grow because I would go into these meetings with people and they would be talking gibberish. I had no idea what they were talking about. So I would Google it and then have to read a book or take a course or do something else like that. What did that look like for you? Yeah, so you get that. that and that is a hard skill to teach, I think, the ability to adapt like that on the fly and trust yourself to figure it out. For me, though, I've, since I started that business, obsessed with learning almost and to a fault many times many times to a fault where I genuinely would, if I had nothing to do, would sit and read all day and I would be happy doing that. And so that is truly like not the only reason, but a huge reason I had the success I have with the photo booth because it taught me how to position certain things, how to price certain things, how to do better emails. That's a huge thing. And that's hard to teach also the ability to learn. Like my friend who's doing the hot tub and he won't mind me saying it, he's not a big learner. He doesn't read business books really. He doesn't listen to podcasts, but he's crushing it. He's a doer more than most of the people who are doing the podcast because he just went out there and, but he learned so much for on the fly for his business. He's learning so much every day. So, you know, he's learning in his own way. And so there comes a point where, and this is something I posted about yesterday too, because it's something I struggle with too, especially now because um, I spend a lot of time learning about web three, crypto NFTs. There's, there's just there's so much, too much to learn. And yeah, so it's a balance, but that's what helped me. And then there's the other side, which is, this is the one that's really hard to teach. I think, which is watching what works. Oh, I'm starting a photo booth company. Why don't I reach out to 10 photo booth companies and see how they write their emails to me when I pretend I'm a client? You know, you could say that's a little unethical, but it's not. It's it's not. You're just, you're doing research. They should be doing the same thing to you. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure they are. And then, oh, I'm going to get on the phone and record the conversation that they have with me while they're doing sales. Okay. So me calling a company saying, oh, I have a wedding coming up. I want a photo booth recording what questions they ask me. You know, Mm. that is hard to teach. That helped me a lot. That skill, once I figured that out. What I'm getting from this is don't recreate the wheel. Like, especially with your business, there was other people doing your style of business. They just didn't have Zach's flavor. And that's where a lot of times I'll reference in entrepreneurship, ice cream, because there's a lot of ice cream shops and they all do well. Well, it's ultimately because they all have their own flavor. They all make up their own flavors or come up with new things. And that's where if you're listening to this, you don't have to be flashy with your first business. like, And that's where I also think that stops people is they think they have to have a brand new idea versus for me, my entrance into entrepreneurship was literally personal training. And I love how you talked about something that wealthier people need. So for personal training, there's like a two pronged approach. Like there's a lot of trainers that they don't take the approach of going after clientele that can afford. So they end up driving around and just like wasting a bunch of time servicing people that don't ever make a change. But for me, the connection was always... I was in the corporate world, so it was people that had some extra money to spend, but they were sitting at a desk all day, so they were gaining weight and losing their health. It was an easy transition of like, oh, this is, I could sell myself into this. 
The problem I started having though is the same thing that sounds like you were running into is just like, I wasn't really passionate about being a personal trainer and I didn't really know what that next step was. So I joined a startup hub and that really helped. And for you, the thing that I'd love for you to share is who are the types of people that you have looked to, or do you have a mentor? Do you have people that you reach out to that, that have helped you in business? Like what have you done in terms of like your community to level up, not just your business, but as a person? Yeah. You know, I always love the idea. I think this is original. I don't know where it's originally from, but I think I read it first in Thinking Grow Rich. It's called, I think, Board of Directors, having a board of directors, which is like basically this imaginary group of people. They can be real, they can be alive, they can be dead, they can be fictional. And these board of directors that you go to for guidance and for advice, and this is all imaginary, obviously, I think having like a personal mentor is amazing. I've never really had that. I wish I did in some ways, someone who would grab you and shake you and be like, do this. But at the same time, there's, you know, you have access to the best minds in the world online. And I've taken advantage of that from a young age, I think, which was good. And I really look up to certain people. That's changed over time a lot, just based on different things that I've been interested in. Like I said, I started out with Christian Guzman. He's probably the first like entrepreneur I really look up to. Really was like, fuck, I can do this. I can start a business. Andy Frisella helped me so much, especially with his MFCEO podcast. Very business. His podcast now is still business oriented, but that one was heavily business oriented. Who else? Gary Vee. I mean, these are the big ones. Tim Ferriss, still super popular. Is there any up and comers that you're like noticing? So what I'll say is if you're interested in technology, I think Twitter is where you have to be. And I, I was not there for a long time. To be honest, I was mostly on Instagram, which is why I have a lot of my audience on Instagram. But the last few years, I actually genuinely believe the best information in the world is on Twitter and in Twitter threads. You know why? There's no friction between the creator of the idea and the idea itself. It's, you know, quickly type it. I agree. Versus Instagram, you have pictures and you have text. And like Instagram is more, I feel like, creating content. And there is plenty of people who are authentic on there, like yourself. And it's great. But in terms of like the most underrated information in the world, I think, is on Twitter and Twitter threads especially if you're interested in crypto, Web3, NFTs. I have a list on Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, if, if you view my list, it's called Web3. And those are some people I'm really looking up to in the crypto space, just tweeting brilliant ideas. That's really why I like Twitter the most is the list. Cause like, I don't even care about followers or following or anything like that. I'm obsessed with learning as well. And I've realized that I don't learn anything from Instagram. I mean, maybe your account, but it's so few and far between. It's too much work too much friction. I like how you use that word to actually find things that I can learn from. I have to actually search for them versus on Twitter. I can just create a list of a hundred people that I know put out great content all the time. And I'm just constantly learning. I'll give a good recommendation though. Someone who I think is, he's still very popular as a big audience, but he's not super well-known. Derek Sivers. Do you know Derek Sivers? Look at that. Learn somebody. How do you spell his last name? Derek, D-E-R-E-K, last name, S-I-V-E-R-S. You would love this guy, CJ, and so would everyone listening. He has a phenomenal book. He's not super public on social media, which is probably why you might not have heard of him. He's close with Tim Ferriss, and he started a company called CD Baby years ago and sold it for a lot of money and just has this unbelievably selfless view of entrepreneurship. Only start a business when you're answering a call to help, which I actually like that a lot for certain businesses. He has a book called Anything You Want. I was just digging back into it. He has one rule I love. It's like, hell yeah or no, when you're deciding between something. And he has a new book, which I strongly recommend. This is like a hidden gem. It's called How to Live, Derek Sivers. I literally think you can only get it from his website, at least when I bought it. You can get, you know, ebook or physical book. It's just a book of like short little riffs on different things. Be selfless, live for others. And then he t- does like a whole riff on it. My favorite book I've read recently. It's just so good. How to Live, Derek Sivers. Check it out. I mean, if I'm always spewing Thrive on Life, I need to read a book that's How to Live. So I love that. Before we get into the Web3 and that world, you mentioned something when I was DMing you back and forth and you you said a word that literally what I strive for. So it was almost like a trophy that I earned that day where someone like yourself actually noticed that and it was the word consistency. And when I reached out to you, so the audience obviously can't see my DM, but I reached out to Zach and was just giving him a lot of credit for what he was putting out and his story and being vulnerable like he was because it needs to be said more where it's not like, again, he, he built an unflashy business, build it up, and now he has the opportunity to build it into something massive, but he's choosing a different path where he is more happy. And that's something that I always preach. And a lot of people have reached out to me and told me that I'm all over the place and what am I doing and, and things like that. 
at the end of the day, it's me seeking happiness. But the one thing that has always been consistent is me just being vulnerable and telling that story and being consistent with that. And it's nice to know that there's other people out there doing the same thing and being authentic. And the way that I validated this with Zach is literally, you'd mentioned Twitter, your pinned tweet, which was like something about, hold up, I gotta, I gotta, I don't want to butcher it because it's so simple, but so, so good. It's literally how to make it help other people make it. And I love that because at Thrive, when it started, like we came up with a slogan, strive together, thrive together. So it's always about like, we all have our individual goals, but we can help each other hit those goals together. The consistency though, to do that is what really, really is tough for a lot of people. They, they'll come up with an idea or a business and they'll do it for a day, a week, a month, and then it falls off. For you, I went back and scrolled all the way down your Instagram. It's been since like February 25th of 2019 or something or 2018 that you've posted like a ton and you just consistently been putting out value. How did you just turn that switch on? Because you went from obviously zero, you didn't have Instagram to like turning the switch and just going, 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 going. What are your tips for people that are at like almost step zero right now? Yeah, it was definitely a switch where I was just looked at it one day and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to stop ever until I decide like I've done it and that's it. But uh, it was just a decision that it mattered. And it was a few reasons that caused it. One was just I was always inspired and almost obsessed with people like Christian Guzman, people who had these audiences and the power that they had. Not the power, but the, the, it is power. Like Power to make change. I get what you're saying. Yeah, power to make change. And that applies to any audience you have. Um, I'm just obsessed with this idea. And yeah, for your question, being consistent. Definitely has to be something that you you can do consistently. Like last summer or two summers ago, I tried to make this YouTube documentary and it was okay, but it was like, I felt that like, I can't do this consistently. I'm not gonna post, I didn't post it, I didn't finish it. I was like, this is not a long-term thing. And so you have to have that you know intuition with yourself, I think, that's one thing. And then just doing something every day. I'm a big fan of the everyday principle. I really am. You can go for extreme quality and post something very rarely, which is, Tim Urban, Wait But Why. Have you ever seen that blog? Nope. Writing it down. Gotta check that out. Unbelievable. He has an amazing, amazing series on Elon Musk where he like breaks down his mind. It's called The Cook and the Chef, Wait But Why blog. They're like books almost. It's some of the best writing on the internet. And then you have people who are extremely prolific. So this would be like a Gary Vee. And, you know, Gary Vee, I got to shake his hand, which is cool. We'll really redact up. But anyway. <laughs> hey, the details matter. Yeah, he hosted this surprise wine party in New York City the other week during his NFT conference. And this guy has such an influence because he's provided value to people for 12, 13, 14, 15 years that in 10 minutes, he filled out like an entire two city blocks waiting to meet him. Like that's fucking crazy. And it's tough. Consistency is hard to teach. You know, you have to do it every day. I think... You hit the nail on the head with the word intuition. I'm a big word guy, like, cause words, you can create themes and then like the themes you can repeat in your head to just keep going. That's why I have literally never give up tattooed on my rib cage and a couple other words tattooed on me. It's just like a reminder every day. And I like the everyday principle that you mentioned, but the intuition to understand what you yourself can do every single day. And I think this is where social media has the negative side of it, where we fall into this comparison syndrome and we think we need to be doing something every day like somebody else is doing. Let's take fitness, for example. I see you're into fitness as well. You can't do a workout that you don't want to do every single day. Like you got to start with, if walking makes you happy, walking on the water, like we're in Lake, we're in Austin here, Lake Austin. If that's what you have to start with, that's where you start with, but do it every day. Like start with something that you can use your intuition to understand what are you going to do every single day. The other side of it is craftsmanship is half work ethic and half work iteration. I don't know if work iteration is even a thing, like a term, but made it up. If you look at my old content, it is so different. I call it bad, but it's so different than what I do now. And that's the other side, I think people get caught in the trap of just doing something every day and it doesn't work. And then they give up after a few months, years, the way it works is by iterating every day, you know, and that's the invisible part. That's what people don't see on social media. You see it over time. And even today, I'm still iterating a lot. Instagram is a tough platform, very tough platform to grow on now. I'm not hundred percent focused on it just because it's, and this is why another reason why I'm so obsessed with the web three stuff is it's just not tailored to grow organically anymore. If you're a certain type of creator. And so, even now I'm iterating, I'm spending a lot more time on Twitter trying to figure out how am I going to grow an audience there. And so the iteration piece is big, if not more important. 
I love that. And I actually scrolled down, like I said, and, and looked at your iteration. It's over so time. different. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't call it that. Like, man, you started off like step eight out of 10. <laughs> yeah. It was just like cheesy. Like I started it because I saw these pages that had these infographics blowing up and I'm like, I can do that. And yeah, I learned later that a lot of those are like fake followers ads. It's funny. You mentioned like buying businesses. I saw a guy that started one very similar to yours. And this is going back like two years and PayPal kind of screwed me over and messed this deal up. But I reached out to him and was like, how much would you sell your account for? Because I could tell he kind of didn't know how to monetize. He was doing, when you first started where you had like those six icons. The pictures, yeah. Yeah. I I saw a guy doing that. I was like, oh, this is a great idea and I know how to monetize. So I reached out to him and I think he was going to sell it to me for like 300 bucks, which is a huge steal. I think he had like 100,000 followers or something and pretty good engagement. And like the PayPal business one where you have to like hold the money and whatever kind of like messed up and waited like a month. And then by the time the month was up, he was like, eh, I actually changed my mind. Random side story, but I like how you mentioned moving into this new fit. I, it's interesting because Instagram is just trying to be TikTok. Like my most viewed reel was literally me just like taking a video of the sunset and the sunrise. And I'm just like, man, there was no thought between that. I used to have to create and now you don't you don't even create anymore. And that's where it's frustrating, but you'll do all this time. You'll do an amazing podcast. You'll have an unbelievable clip, but then the sunset clip will, will get more views. Yep. Yep. 100%. But going back to following your passion and following what, what really lights your flame, that's where I connect a lot with you, where the podcast is my thing. Like I'm going to go do this for decades and it's a long play. And then that's where I like it because I have no idea what Web3 really means. I mean, I've heard it on Tim Ferriss just had a couple guys on, but I'm still like very newbie on it. So for our audience, if you could just describe what Web3 means in general, and then kind of like what Web3 means to Zach and his future potential with his brand and what he's creating. Yeah, sure. So it's a lot of things. The definition I love, and I can make this simpler too, because there's some words in here. It's by a guy named Packy McCormick, who has a great newsletter called Not Boring. Web3 is basically the decentralized internet. So it's built with technology using blockchains, which is what Bitcoin is. You've probably heard of Bitcoin if you're listening to this. That's what Bitcoin is built with. Web3 is an internet owned and governed by users, orchestrated with tokens. So what does that look like? That looks like, let's call Instagram. Let's call a decentralized version of Instagram. Let's call it Cryptogram, all right? Which is not a real thing, but actually it might, it might be, but don't, don't go buy this or look it up. But this is you getting tokens, which a token can be something technically the ETH you own or the Bitcoin you own, that's a token. An NFT you own, that's a token technically. And this is you being rewarded for the effort and the value you provide to this network like Cryptogram in the form of tokens. And those tokens enable you to not only own upside in the company, the project like a stock, but also make decisions on behalf of the company or project. So let's say Cryptogram wants to add video, but you don't want video. You get to make a vote based on how many of these tokens you have. Love that. And what it makes me think of is because people get confused with like, how do I attach it to something that's tangible people understand already? So you have real estate, right? Like I'm sitting in my house. Mm -hmm. I own a plot of land technically. Well, technically the city owns it and I'm, it's all fucked up. But in Web3, like you can literally own this plot and have a say. And one of the coolest things that I heard on a recent podcast where Web3 can merge with the reality that we're living in now. So a great instance is we're in Texas. So there's a lot of land. There's a ton of land you could buy up and build a city with. Now, imagine if you used Web3 and coins to have people invest in the land and then they're actually invested in not only the house or the plot that they buy, but like the actual city. So one of the things that we're seeing is a lot of cities are going poorly in America because you're only invested in your little space or your apartment or your house. But imagine if you were like invested in city centers and their cultural art center and things around you. And the way to do that, Web3 could actually connect the dots between not only the virtual world, but also reality and i'm just riffing because i heard this on a podcast and that's what's kind of like yeah. connected it for me yeah you might have seen they also i'm not super educated on this but there's a miami coin i believe or yeah. i might be saying miami coin and like i said not super educated on it but that's kind of an example of what you're saying where this is being given to people who provide value to miami and it lets them have a say in certain things that happen in the city i believe 
and it gives them upside, obviously, in investing in Miami, and they get to share in the city's success. So it's kind of an example of what you're saying. The way I look at it, this is super like high level, but like blockchains are the uh, like infrastructure for what's going to be called the metaverse, and it's basically this new technological layer that's going to enable you to create any world you want to live in. This is, like I said, super high level, and I'll bring it down to earth too. But there's a game, there's an NFT project that just came out called Wolf Game. This is the most insane thing I've seen where this IP didn't even exist more than a few weeks ago. I mean, there are people building it. They basically built this economy around NFTs of wolves and sheeps. You're able to stake your sheeps and gain the wool coin as a reward. So there are people who got these sheep early and were gaining literally $4,000 a day if you had one of these sheep staked. And then you have wolves that are NFTs and they can steal certain sheeps based on just probability. And this is like now an economy. This is like a world. They're offering now like land where you could buy in the wolf game. Just look it up, wolf game NFT. So it's essentially like Fortnite for adults. <laughs> it's almost like Farmville. And it's going to be, you'll be able to build your own economies. And that's an insane example of Web3. No, I mean, people are either for or against it obviously. And I'm a huge optimist. So I look at like the areas of the world where it could have the most positive impact. And like when I mentioned the the VR, we did a zombie game and you're running on a omni treadmill, which means it like goes, like get attached to this thing and you're like turning around. Right. And afterwards we realized that there was a $2,000 cash prize for the winner. And we were sitting in second, which is 1200. And I started thinking, I was just like, this is kind of merging worlds of like, you have the gamers, the people that are sitting around and maybe not the healthiest, but now they're getting into this world where virtual reality allows them to be healthier in reality, but then also doing what they love to do. And for me, I thought about it in that way is because like as a personal trainer, it's like, I don't want to tell people to do things that they don't like to do. Like I'm preaching, follow what you're passionate about. So if you're a gamer or if you're in an industry that's like sitting at a desk all day and stuff like that, it's how do we use web three to be interesting enough to you where you're also becoming a better person. Um, so that was another thing that I kind of thought through with coins. One of the business partnerships I have is in a health lounge here. And we like to spread media and education around like how to be truly healthy. It's called how do you health? And one of the things we've talked about a lot is how do we create a health coin where people earn a stake by leading better lives and then helping their communities lead better lives and figuring out the whole insurance problem. And the reason I'm going down this is just for anybody listening, like you can kind of hear how there's so many different ideas and different ways that this is valuable. But I would love to know just from a personal standpoint, what are you doing right now in the space? Not future, not meta, not high level. Like what are you doing right now to kind of have an impact on your life and your brand? Okay, so right now I'm still playing. I'm still learning and playing a lot. I've really only gotten really deep into it, I would say midsummer. What does playing look like? Playing is trying different projects, trying different protocols, a lot of collecting of NFTs, learning about NFTs, playing around in NFT discords and communities, and always just trying things. You know, something I've learned is that a lot of times the scams, if it looks like a scam or it looks too good to be true, it actually is because crypto has technology that literally is too good to be true. Like a good example of this is in September, there was this project called Loot. It's created by the guy who created Vine, and he's like a really um, prolific Web3 builder, innovator. And this NFT project is literally this collection of text on a picture, and it'll have these like fantasy items, emerald sword, divine robes, bow and arrow, whatever. And this is where Web3 gets really interesting, where that's literally all the NFT was, is these pictures of text. And I've seen these going for thousands of dollars. I'm like, what the hell is happening? This looks like a scam. Like, what is this? It seemed like too good to be true. But then you dig into it. And what these NFTs were, essentially these NFTs contain metadata. Metadata is essentially like the programming behind an NFT, what that NFT can do. And that enabled the user of that NFT, the people who bought into that community and believed in the project to build on top of those items. A good way to explain this is, imagine Fortnite, all the different items all the different worlds you can go in and characters you can play as, right? Imagine it all started with text and then the community had to build all those different things on top of it. And that's kind of what loot is where it's this new web three version of IP where this is not like Fortnite. This version is called CCO, no rights reserved, where the community can create anything they want with the IP. And so what you have happened now 
is people take these items, divine robes, and they're making an exclusive Discord chat where only people who have this divine robe tattoo can join this chat. And it's a lot of wealthy people now and smart people in crypto. Then you have people building different games on top of loot that use these items. And there's like 10 different games now. And then there's different avatars. You've probably seen like the board ape avatars. Yeah. There's like, you know, dozens of loot avatar projects. And so there's a lot of web two to web three, which is in real life to web three NFT projects where you take a collectible, you take art and you make an NFT. And this is not me. This is very smart people who are saying this, this is me reiterating it. The projects that I'm interested in building are the ones that could not exist before NFTs, before crypto technology. And loot is an example of that. Did you see on Instagram this picture of when Facebook announced Meta of this guy with the goggles on and it's like, I don't want to live in this future? Yeah. I think a lot of people are anti-metaverse, but they're missing what it really means, which is ownership and opportunity. What that means is that somebody who grew up in a country where you didn't get the same advantages that you did growing up in the United States now has the same opportunity. There's a few reasons why that is. One is they can plug into these financial networks without anything blocking them. They can plug into something called DAOs. DAOs are like a crypto native version of an LLC where the power is distributed. It's kind of like a Facebook group with a shared bank account and a shared decision-making board. That's kind of what a DAO is. And so now this person who grew up in this country who normally would have no opportunities, normally couldn't go to college and get a job and do anything, they can go on the internet and they can plug into these different DAOs and start providing value just by having a cell phone. Even to go more tangible, because I love how you brought that point up that right there is like one of my friends, like what crypto allows them to do is send money instantaneously back to India. I mean, how many families have one person here in America working to earn an income to then send money somewhere? And that's where crypto allows them not only to send money, but that money then grows an interest, which is like, what the hell is the point of a bank account anymore? Like a savings account, there's no interest involved. So it allows in my eyes, the average everyday person to level up, like the wealthy understand leveling up, which means like the wealthy understand, like throw all your money in investments, don't leave it in cash as cash on hand versus that's not what most people understand. And where crypto and web three kind of change that is the access to that. And again, going back to real estate, like real estate in the real world is a great way to accrue wealth, but you can now kind of own real estate on the web three space. I'll give you another tangible one that I've thought through. So I have this logo that's like the make every heartbeat count for thrive. And one of the things I want to do is I want to make an NFT project where I'm gifting people heartbeats. So it's just like minting like people that I believe are are using their heartbeats wisely and helping to change the world. And now they have an ownership in one of my projects because right now I can only give ownership to my business partners, but how do I give ownership to like, maybe if you've listened to one of my podcasts, all you got to do is like listen to a podcast. And at the beginning I say, Hey, go to weberweber.com and sign up to receive a heartbeat. And then you own mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing in the future. And then maybe own a voting right to, maybe say where the brand goes or, or what I'm doing with the podcast or what guests I should bring on. Yep. So that's another tangible one I've thought through, but where does behavior hack meet web three? And this is so I can kind of connect the dots of like where you're at right now and what you're posting right now, both on Twitter, Instagram, wherever else. And then with the web three space, have you thought through like kind of like how you want to use that brand in this new frontier? Yeah. So one, one important thing, and this is not at all your fault because I haven't, it's not super obvious is I'm taking a lot more personal approach to the page where I'm kind of going to get away from the behavior act name, the behavior act brand, which isn't obvious, which is why you said it. And I'm glad you said it because it's like a wake up to me a little more that I need to keep going. Sell it, bro. You know, it started, I was, I was, my face was not on the page at all. And it was behavior act everything. And I was selling, I sold behavior act merch for a while. It did pretty well. And it just changed my priorities where content became something that I cared about having under my name. And since I've done that, I've enjoyed it so much more. It's been so much more effective. I've met so many more people like yourself. I have to cut you off. Have you read Naval's book? The book that someone wrote about his tweets? Yeah. 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 One of the versions talks about productizing yourself. And when I saw you switch to Zach and your last name, I believe you're going in the right direction. And Naval like kind of validates that throughout that book. Yeah. And so my plan with Web3 and everything is, you know, I'm in a very good situation now. I think where I have a business that's doing well, it's still growing sustainably. And obviously I want to make money. I want to provide value to people, but I'm not desperate versus when I used to be. And so I have time to be thoughtful, but at the same time, 
obviously I don't want to just think forever. So my plan over the next few months and hopefully years is, and I've already started a little bit, but I want to go very deep into Web3 and crypto content in a way that, you know, I'm exploring the space and sharing that knowledge with people and use that to build what I think will be a really cool type of umbrella company where I have different NFT and crypto projects, as well as an agency where I get to talk about people and brainstorm ideas for people. I mean, like you yourself, you're already educated, you know, you could launch a really cool NFT project and grant your community utility. And I guarantee you will one day soon because you have a community. This stuff is going to be most powerful to people who have communities. It's going to change everything. That's what NFTs are. They're community. It's giving power to the people who supported you. I mean, it's wild. You have these brands and you have these diehard fans and the fans have only made expenses. They've, they've gotten value from brands. They've gotten value from media and IP. They love it. But Think about how much time a Star Wars fanatic spends on Star Wars, how yeah. much time they've spent writing fan fiction and going to conferences and, and hosting their own meetups, right? But now that person who's obsessed with Star Wars will actually own a part of Star Wars and, and benefit from the upside and be able to monetize and own upside in the value they create for that media. For that point, it allows me to be a better business owner because if someone were like, yeah, I want to invest in your NFT or invest in this, it shows me who to really spend time on and who to like invite to the Thanksgiving dinner table and the, and send a card. And that's a, a major struggle of being in a business is understanding who your, who your best customers truly are outside of like money, because like anybody can spend money, but who, who are your, your diehard people that you want on your team? And this, I think another web three crypto allows for you to see who those are. And that's why I'm very excited because I just love giving back. I love that. That's why you're going to win. You're going to win regardless of NFTs because you care about other people, but the NFTs are going to put that on steroids. The reason I'm obsessed with it that enough people don't talk about, I don't think, is Chris Dixon, who was on a podcast with Naval and Tim Ferriss, really good Web3 podcast. It's the first thing I send people when they ask me about it. He says how composability is to software as compound interest is to finance. And what that basically means is that crypto, everything is open, open source protocols. So one company solves one problem, another company or project can use that same thing. And I have a different take on that, where it's almost that what NFTs do is they unlock an unfathomable amount of creativity. Because now what happens is you had me growing up, felt like I had to be a doctor. You had to felt like you had to be an engineer, right? This is what made sense. But now the ability to monetize and the ability to own the work you create is going to change everything about what people do for careers. Because a few things, I, I posted like an insane stat the other day where a creator selling an NFT, this was when ETH was whatever, 4,000 something, it still is, I'm sure, in that range at this time of recording. But um, an NFT selling for one ETH is equivalent to a creator on YouTube having 4 million views on a YouTube video and the ad spend they'd get from that YouTube video. Think about that. That is nuts. It's very hard to monetize. $4,300 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if someone's listening to this in a year from now what that is. But um, <laughs> anyway, the point is, what NFTs do, because you can create this digital scarcity, it enables you to monetize every type of fan. And I say monetize in a unique way also because this monetization is less of a purchase on their side and more of an investment. Mm. So those two things are absolutely huge. It enables more people to make it financially as a creator. You can have a high tier NFT, like for you, let's say, you launch your NFT collection of your heartbeats. You have the emerald, the gold heartbeat, and that grants someone gets to come visit you in Austin every year and you have a retreat, right? And you hang out or you have a low tier NFT and that's just, you know, you're part of a exclusive Thrive group chat and you get invited to one Thrive event every year. I'm just giving examples here. Yeah, these are, these are amazing. And they're things I've thought through. So it's like you're validating. There's so much utility you can add. Yeah, and but it's interesting because anybody who supports you gets to be a part of Thrive and that's really special. That's not something hard to do now. You know, now it's like the lowest thing you could sell maybe would be like a t-shirt or even a book, a book is a, you know, a low ticket purchase, but now those become investments. That's why Gary V who recently did an NFT launch with his book sold. I don't know if you saw this Gary's new book. He's, he's called 12 and a half. He did an NFT launch where if you buy 12 copies of the book, you would get one NFT. So I, I bought 36 books. I spent over a grand on his books because they're an investment in him. And that's, that would never, I would never buy 36 books if this didn't involve Web3 and NFTs. Here's an entrepreneurial hack, just going off of that, like behavior hack uh, right here is you bought 36 books, but now you have 35 books to then give somebody else. And 
also exactly. build better relationships. And then that's going to make you way more than a thousand dollars in the long run, whatever that is. So, yeah. And the other side of it that I love, this is like super long-term, but I genuinely believe that the biggest brands will be the ones that open the IP for everybody. And this is only really happening with like niche NFT communities. There's one called Cryptodes, very big, popular NFT project that opened the IP. And then you had all these other people launching their own NFT projects off of the Cryptodes. And they're doing super well. These people are making hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars because they're doing like, I don't know, black and white Cryptodes or animal crypto, like, you know what I'm saying? Like just different examples. But you're able to tap into this network of proven IP and this proven audience. And that's something that's going to be so big. It's going to make people really enjoy what they do compared to the past where that wasn't always a thing. When I think about what you just said, it's the internet on steroids. And it's also social media on steroids. Like social media allowed someone like me who had never heard about entrepreneurship. My life changed when Instagram included stories. When I had the ability to send video messages to other people and connect with other people and learn from them and level up, like when most people were coming from their nine to five and just like watching whatever or doing whatever, like I would chat with people and learn and learn and learn because I can learn so much faster than I can from you in an hour than it's going to take me to read 10 books, right? So as soon as that happened, I grew at an exponential rate in 20 different arenas rather than just the one arena that I was playing in before. And I think this new space is that, but on steroids, because not only am I learning, but I have the ability to own every little touch point. And I love the word that you use there where the things I'm owning, others are invested in. I'm not just the guy at the top where everybody else kind of gets defeated. I'm the guy kind of just climbing to the top. And every time that I get to a new step, whoever invested in me also gets to a new step. And that's what we're really missing in this world is like, even with my accounts, like if I grow, like how do I bring that value, my value of my growth to other people that have helped me over time? Like it's hard right now versus what you're mentioning makes it very less, a lot less friction for me to do so. But unfortunately, I'm already over time with you and I'm a big stickler on keeping the time because I don't want to waste anybody's time. And I just very appreciative of you spending it here today. And I can already feel another conversation coming in the future where I'm, I'm thinking about maybe I'll fly out here to Austin, Texas uh, a year from oh, now. Yeah. We'll look at uh, where that ETH is at at that point. But <laughs> to end, I always kind of do it in the same way where I want to connect you with other people that are listening right now. So usually I look to do it in a two-way front. The best types of people that you feel you can be most valuable to if they were listening to this. And then who are you trying to kind of like partner with or, or learn from or get connected to? So people that could learn from me, I would say, the kid who's in college and is confused about the career or is stuck in a job right out of college that they're not sure about. I feel like that's where I have very good perspective and I've helped a lot of friends make decisions because it's very hard. You're on the mountain, like we said earlier, and it's very hard to figure it out on your own. Sometimes you need an outside view where it's like, what are you doing? This is not what you should be doing. Even though it, it's like, makes sense, it's, it's not the right thing long-term. Also people who are curious about Web3, not a trading type of view. I'm interested in it. I want to make money. I want to make good investments. But you will you won't see me like one of these YouTubers or TikTokers shilling projects constantly, sharing what to buy. It's, it's not me. I'm more interested in the technology and how it empowers creators and people like yourself and people like me to not only create value, but help people. And then the other side of it is who do I want to connect with? I would Right now, it's really the crypto space and Web3 space. Anyone who's doing something interesting in NFTs, especially if you're curious about if you have an existing audience, because I've already been talking to some people, if you have an existing following and you want to launch something, if I can help brainstorm and make a plan, that is something I'm really interested in. So, That might be me hitting you up. The guy who helps with ton of content, he's a beast at video production. He is really involved in the crypto space and it's one of his passions. So I'm probably going to connect y'all and, and see where that goes. Where does somebody connect with you? Right now on Instagram, it's at behavior hack, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-H-A-C-K. If you don't find the Instagram, it might be Zach, at Zach Pograb, same spelling, because I'm probably going to be changing in the next month or so. Love it. And last question, what does thriving mean to you? What is the first gut reaction? For me, it's, it's like a slogan I use. Sometimes it's take the hard route. And that's what I believe. That's for me. You know, that's not for everybody. For me, the happiness comes from doing hard things and really trying to do something difficult that is not easy. 
you're stuck between two options and you're looking to thrive right now and really feel that, take the hard route. That's it. I love that. That is a, that is a new one. Uh, we sometimes get repeats of what people think, but I have not heard it. And I, I'm a believer in that. That's how Thrive even started. So it's a good reminder. The end of every show, I talk a little bit about what my biggest takeaway was. And for you, it was kind of easy when you hit on that word intuition. I think it's not something that a lot of people are born to do, listening to their intuition. We're so caught up in what other people think, what Instagram thinks, what our parents think, what our friends think. And we kind of lose that natural intuition. So you have me really reflecting on this episode. And when I go off into my day, starting to lean more into that intuition, I love the fact that you are doing so with your brand and really leaning in towards, I mean, you can go so far with behavior hack and then peak rentals, but you're kind of choosing your intuition and a new mountain. And I think that's really inspiring and motivating to people like myself and anybody that's listening. So again, I really appreciate you, Zach, for spending this time. If you're listening to this episode, please connect with him. He just mentioned his Instagram account. And if you can help me out and just go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this, it's the best way to get Zach's story and all the value that he's providing out there, as well as get the Thrive Show more views and more listens from people like yourself. And that's what we're really trying to do is provide free education and, and grow the community. So until next time, as always, I love y'all. This is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.